Hey, I'm Jordan. And I'm Ashley. We're the founders of For the Good, a community created to empower and elevate you to live a purpose-driven life. Our mission is to bring light into our world, and to do so, we have learned that it must start with it. We are so glad to have you here with us. Hi friends, I'm excited to share this episode with you today. We have a special guest, Lisa Valoa, founder of a nonprofit called Mimi's Mission. I connected with Lisa about seven years ago when I had the opportunity to interview her for a media company I was working with, and she shared with me more about her organization. Lisa, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. And to kick it off, I'd love for you to share with those listening how Mimi's Mission came to be. Sure. Uh, years and years ago, I was in an insurance agent. And one day a friend came to me and asked me to help a young man who was graduating to get some clothing for graduation. And I had never really done anything like this. And I reached out on Facebook, which was one of my first times I had ever reached out on Facebook and had an ask and a request to help somebody. And the results were astounding. The people that came out and offered to help this family and one of my Facebook friends asked where they wanted to go to dinner. And I said, well, I don't know. Let me ask them. And they replied, Applebee's. And he um, he actually lives up in Royal Oak. He sent me $200 in gift cards for Applebee's for them. And I thought, you don't even know who I am. What a trust level that you sent me this. And the family was elated. And One ask turned into another that turned into another. And I want to say three years into it, we were growing so quickly. Mimi's was, and it wasn't even Mimi's then. It was just me and my insurance agency. My accountant said, you're turning over so much over there. You need to, you need to start a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So when it came to naming the nonprofit, um, my grandmother is French and we call her Mimi. My grandchildren called me Mimi. And my husband always says I'm on some kind of a mission. So Mimi's mission came to be. And I remember when I was coming into your office, when you first started too, just how many donations were coming in so quickly, you know, like I said, one ask turned into another and Facebook has been such a powerful tool for you. Could you share a little bit more about building that community online? It is so crazy. The reach that you have on Facebook and it doesn't matter what I ask for. And people are like, I turned around at my desk and I saw you needed something and I answered the phone and I came right back and you said, okay, we're done. Everything's, we have everything we need. It's like, it's, it would be like one hour and we would have everything we needed. In fact, um, this year we did for the um, autistic families that we help, since we can't have our parties, we do um, drive-through parties. So we, we do it in my parking lot where we have all the volunteers stand in places and the moms and dads drive the children through and roll down the windows and get their gifts. So we did Easter and we had so much candy that I was afraid it was going to supersede what they actually got for Easter from the bunny because people kept saying, well, I wanted to help. I wanted to help. I wanted to help. So I kept adding like, oh, more this candy or more chocolate bunnies or more toys or it was ridiculous it's great but it so it doesn't matter what we ask for people are so giving Mimi's is what it is today because of the outreach on Facebook 
that's where we do all our asking. That's where we do our, our giving, our fundraising. It's, it's, um, it's crazy what it's turned into. Mimi's page has almost 10,000 people on it. That's incredible. And this is only is a couple of years too. Well, we became a nonprofit in 15. I closed my insurance agency in 18 to run Mimi's full time. The community has just been so giving to be able to help one another. And one thing that I love about what you do is that you call it a hand up, not a handout, that you help people in so many different ways and provide them tools and resources to be able to not only help themselves, but their families as well. Correct. And I'm, um, I'm real adamant, you know, people work hard for their money and I am not going to take a donation and give it to somebody who is not helping themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're sitting back waiting for a handout, don't, don't call me mm-hmm. because I respect the donation coming in and the people who worked hard for that. So if, if you're in a position where you're unable to help yourself, that's different, right? Mm-hmm. But because every agency goes through it, right? Um, people find out about you and they think that you're giving away, you know, treasures. And, and I just, I had to put my foot down and it's, that's where the hand up, not the handout came in. Cause I'm doing this. If you can't get off the couch to help yourself, don't come to me and ask me to ask all of these giving people to, to help you. Absolutely. Really something, you know, you see people who are hardworking and yet, you know, there's situations where they could be struggling, whether it be that they're paying, you know, a health bill or something else that is taking, you know, their time and energy. And you just want to be able to help people who are helping themselves. And yes, that's really powerful well, because otherwise you're, you're just, you're just throwing money away. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's no purpose to it then. So if we're, if we're, if we can help you, you know, get out of a, a rut. And once you get out of that rut, you're going to be good to go and life's going to be grand. I'm all about that, right? Because all of us, we're just human. We all need that sometimes. But if you're sitting in the rut and you want me to bring you a pillow and then you call me and want me to deliver you pizza, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So <laughs> so we, we've changed over the years. You know, we used to take all the donations in office and recycle, you know, clothing for children and household items. And, and then last year when pandemic came, we stopped all that. It's it was very um, time consuming. The office was a continual mess. Um, we were getting sick from it because you can't take all this stuff from all these people and it all be 100% clean. So, so we started a page on Facebook. It's called Downriver Do-Gooders. Mm. And people can give their items away on that page. How, how did you see the pandemic impact the nonprofit or impact the community as a whole as to, you know, people coming to you and asking for assistance? Did you see that increase or how did that work during that time? No, it, no, no, we didn't see the increase. We didn't see an increase in requests for assistance. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I think the government gave everybody enough that there wasn't, I had, I had people who were working with food banks calling me and saying, do you want to come and get this food? Because no one's showing up. And I said, no, I, I appreciate it, but I don't deal in food because I don't want 12 refrigerators in my office. So <laughs> yeah. So in your office, because just like I said, in the times that I've come, people have been, you can just see the outpour of support that people are coming in and, oh. saving and wanting help and, and not only help, but you have an incredible team of volunteers too, to be able to come and get everything together for them as well. A hundred percent. So when pandemic hit, we had to re-gear a little bit, which was good for us. I mean, it 
It helped slow me down, which I I really did need, but it, it helped me look at things differently. So just like the items, instead of all the clothing coming here and having to sort it, put it in bins, and then people had to come in and we had to deal with all of, you know, it takes a lot of time and, and energy and, and manpower. And then people would start coming in for household items and you still have to have a place to store all this. And so to have, to look at it and think we have to not only be able to help, but not do it here. Mm -hmm. So we started the do-gooders page and then we started gearing down a little bit. You know, we're, we're one person, uh, part-time employee and volunteer. So we really started concentrating on our, you know, we used to call it the puzzle parents group and now we've changed it and it's the autistic acceptance group. So um, those are the families that were really hard hit Mm -hmm. because the children's world stopped, right? They couldn't go to school. They didn't have their meetings anymore. And they just didn't understand. And then how did the service for these kids and the families begin? Because like how you said that it did start off as puzzle parents and it was kind of like a support group, if you want to call it that, but Mm -hmm. just a community where, you know, families would come together and talk about their experiences. And also it it was a safe place for the kids to come together as well. And I've been blessed to be able to see this firsthand and be a part of this. And it's just something that's so incredible to see. Start yeah. by talking more about how this came to pass. Sure. I, when I was an insurance agent, one of my clients had uh, has a child um, severely affected. They deemed him dangerous. They would put him in a classroom by himself. And one day, he, the dad, and he was a single dad. So the dad just lost it. You know, they don't have support groups. They don't have people to turn to. And he called the school social worker and he said, you know, my, my truck isn't running. I I don't have money to fix my truck because I can't go to work because I have him Mm -hmm. and I can't get him to school because my truck's not running because I can't go to work because, and it's, it's the vicious circle. And this dad said, what do I do? Like, what do I do that's good for him? If I gave him up and put him in foster, would that be better for him than what I can provide for him right now? And they, um, they called CPS and CPS came in and removed the child from the home wow. and put him in a facility and they took the father's rights away from him. And I was mortified because you wouldn't do that to any of us, but they did that to this father and um, so I got the dad a car. I helped him. I helped him with all the, all the things that he needed to do. And that was like in September. Well, in December, Mimi's was adopting families for Christmas, and we adopted a hundred families that year. Well, out of those hundred families, twenty of them had children who were autistic. And I thought, what the heck is going on? This this number is so huge. What, what what's going on? But every one of them said the same thing. And we don't, we don't adopt based on income. We adopt based on need. So, um, you know, you could live in a $500,000 house, but if your husband passes away, your life changes, right? Mm -hmm. And the children still need things. So the income level doesn't matter to me, but they all had different levels, but they all said the exact same thing. There's no one here. There's no resources. You know, we're trapped in our homes because we go outside and the world doesn't accept us. We don't have friends. 
because they don't understand. You can't get babysitters because no one will watch these children because they don't know them and they can't understand them. And I was like, but you all go to the same schools. Like actually the father that I was talking about had right in his backyard, the person that lived directly behind him had a child that was autistic and they didn't even know each other. And I thought, this is ridiculous. All these families have no one. So I just said, let's see what we can do. And I, I called a meeting and I don't even know how many of them showed up that time, 25, 25 parents. And I told them, I said, I'm probably going to offend you. I know nothing about autism, but I am a good problem solver. So let's see what we can do to help your children help themselves. Because in the end, I'm not, I'm not a miracle worker. Your children will still be autistic when we're done, but let's get them to do more. Let's get you out of the house. Let's give you some actual resources that can help you. So we started these meetings and we, we would meet twice a month and we would have dinner together. And then the children would go play in the basement of the church and supervised and the parents would get a break and they would sit and talk and they'd become in the last five years, they'd become this little tight knit family community and that they, they help each other and the kids know each other. And it's, it's amazing. And what I've learned about autism is gosh, I, I can't even believe how much I've learned about autism by, by these families opening up and sharing their children with us. And it's been, it's been wonderful. You know, we have some of these children that one that comes to mind, he came in, he had a, a chip on his shoulder. He would want to play video games. And I'm like, we don't do video games here. We talk to our friends. And he said, well, I don't have any friends. And I said, well, if you put the video game down, that, that will change. He said, I don't want to. I said, then I'll ask your mom to take you home. And the look he gave me, <laughs> I could have stopped traffic. But all of a sudden, he started coming out of his shell because they're so protected, right? They, they're used to people staring and pointing and, and bullying, and they just don't know this other side. So once the video game went down, he started seeing and he started talking and you know, he would come to me and he would tell me how he's being bullied by his teacher in school. And I was, I was mortified, any child to be bullied by a teacher, but especially one that has special needs. So I, I said, well, then this is what we do. And I gave him a business card of mine. And I said, the next time your teacher bullies you, you hand him my business card and you tell him to call me. And the little boy started laughing because he was like, oh boy, Mimi's going to get him. But but it empowered him, right? Mm -hmm. Because somebody was standing up for him. And um, this guy, this kid loves baseball. He loves baseball. And one day I noticed his shoes were a little bit tattered and I offered to buy him a new pair. And he just looked at me and lit up like, what? So we bought him a new pair of shoes and he has just thrived. And two years, two years ago, yeah pandemic has my head missing a year he uh he joined a baseball team and right after all the baseball teams were full his coach quit so his team folded and he was crushed because you couldn't go be on another team because they were all full right mm -hmm. and I told him I said you have to believe Adam you have to believe 
everything happens for a reason. And he's like, and I'm like, okay, you can gruff all you want, but I'm telling you, Mimi knows everything happens for a reason. So just wait. And then I got the phone call that he um, had been, he, he had joined an elite team and they were traveling in this elite team. He's actually the pitcher on the team and they are going to Cooperstown this year. That's amazing. And it's, it's, it, yeah. And one of my friends helped them pay for it and they've been collecting returnables. And this kid is, he's just thriving. And it, it, it amazes me the hurdles they overcome. Mm-hmm. And um, this team um, and all the elite teams in this, I guess, this league, because I really don't know sports, they get together every year and they do something for a charity. And Adam told his coach, I want you to help me in his mission because they helped me. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they help autistic kids and I'm autistic. And the coach never knew he was autistic. The mom called me and said, will you help the coach do this? Da, da, da. And I said, of course I will. I said, but you tell that coach, I need it named after Adam. So they took a picture of Adam and they're calling it Adam's camp. And it's a one day baseball camp for children with autism. That just fills my heart so much. Oh my gosh. That makes me just so emotional to think about the transformation that comes from, like I said, the day one, you know, head down, not interested in talking to anybody. And then just to be able to come out of the shell and, you know, there's purpose to be found in, in his journey and how he now in turn can help other people in that similar way. Oh, he said flat out. He said, I, I am going to help other autistic children the way Mimi's helped me. I'm just like, I'm not crying. I'm cutting onions. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, he's amazing. He's literally amazing. So when, um, fast forward to this year, when we were doing the video, to help train the police officers about autism. Adam starred in it. Well, all the kids did, but Adam, one of the scenes is Adam sliding into home base and hurting his knee. And then the, you know, the, then the rescue has to come and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I have to push them because I just have to see. So he slides into home base and he's like, oh, my knee, oh, my knee. And I go, what is that? And he goes, what? And I go, that doesn't know. Go back and do it again. You hurt yourself. Like we need, we need to believe this that you're hurt. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he slides into home base and he grabs his knee and he's like, ow, oh, my knee. Ow, oh, ow. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's acting right there. And I'm just <laughs> like, but to look at this kid who who would even look at me a couple of years earlier. And he's so willing to help. And he's he doesn't have the the shy or the reserved or the like he's actually living, right? Joe is uh, one of our older older participants. I don't want to call him a child because he's not anymore. And I, I mean, I'm old, so everybody's a child to me. But um, so Joe was out of high school. Probably he's probably 20, 21 when he came to us. Um, but same thing, he left high school early, no friends, and he would come and sit at the meetings. And all of a sudden he started saying things, well, not to me, because he doesn't talk to me. He'll talk to me if he has a microphone in his hand, (laughs) but he's never just sat down and spoken to me. Isn't that funny in six years? I think it was Facebook. He was texting me on how much he loved talking on the microphone. Mm -hmm. So he started bringing his speaker and his microphone to the meetings. 
and he would do my announcements for me. He would welcome everybody. He would say, dinner started, you know, would the kids please clean up? So anything that he could say to everybody, like, oh, it's time for dessert. And he would get up and make an announcement that it was time for, because he loves talking on the microphone. So we started getting him like gigs. That's what he calls them. They're my gigs. And that's, well, if you're going to do this, you have to have a business. This is, this is a business for you. So he gave himself the name Puzzle Joe. And I gave him the nickname, my sidekick. And wherever I spoke that there was a microphone, he would come with me and he wouldn't be scripted. He, he would just shoot from the hip. And one incident, we were, it was Kiwanis, I think, for their Christmas party. There were like 250 people there. And Joe's mom came and she said, are you going to tell him what to say? I said, no, I never tell him what to say. Why? She goes, oh, there's a lot of people here. I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of worried. Are you going to tell him what to say? So I looked at Joe and I'm, I'm like motion for him to take off his headphones. And I'm like, do you need me to tell you what to say? And he shook his head no and put his headphone back on. And the mom's like, seriously, I think you need to tell him what to say. So I looked at him again and I'm like, take your headphones off. He takes them off. And I'm like, do I need to tell you what to say? And he's like, no, puts, shakes his head. No, puts his headphones back on. So I got up and spoke and then I introduced Joe and he actually had me crying in front of everyone, telling everybody what Mimi's meant to him and how much I've helped him. And he didn't think that he would be alive if it wasn't for Mimi's because he had no purpose in life. Mm. So I'm standing again in front of 250 people. I'm like, Joe, why do you always make me cry? He's like, because I tell the truth. And I'm just like, oh, you're killing me, kid. So he is, he's gone on to um, like a, or airport schools. They had him out at their volleyball games doing announcements, um, reading the roster. And they would have a student sit with him and help him. And then he's like, now he does. He does weekly announcements at Meyer, So he goes in, he's like, attention shoppers. That's Puzzle Joe. <laughs> it's, it's, he loves it. Actually, I got um, asked to speak at the airport school, high school commencements. And there's going to be 500 people there. And Joe is coming with me and he's going to speak too. What are some tools and resources that you've seen help kids like Joe and Adam that you mentioned? What are some things that the community and your group has done to be able to help them in this way? I think the, the group is a big thing because um, they're not used to having people. It's such a, um, how do I even describe it? So it gives them a safe place to be with people who know about him or something about him, but no one judges, no one stares, no one points, no one acts like they're telling secrets. And it's such a laid back atmosphere. I think it's given the kids like a boost, right? Like, oh, this is this is the way it's supposed to be. And just like Adam, you know, everybody really coddles these, these children because, because of just the nature of the beast, right? I mean, special needs child, the mom protects them from the outside world and then the doctors. And then it, it, it's, there's so many things coming at them and there's, there's nobody there to be like, I'm reaching my hand in and pulling you out of this circle where everybody's coming at you. And I'm saying it's okay. And that's what Mimi's has done. The, the group is giving, giving them that hand to say, you can come over here and you're totally accepted. 
So like with Adam, he was he was having a hard time in school last year with pandemic. And he, it's not that he didn't know how to do the work because I knew how smart he was. He, he was bored. Mm-hmm. So his mom called me and said, he's really struggling. I'm like, put him on the phone. She's like, well, you can tell me. And I'm like, why would I tell you when I can go right to him? Because he's the one that has to do it. So I, I'm, I'm putting them to the task too, right? I have expectation of them. And I said, so are you struggling because you don't, you don't know how to do the work? He's like, no, I know how to do it. I said, okay, so you're bored. He's like, yep. I said, then let's make a deal. And he said, what? I said, every class that you pass with an A, I'll give you $25. He passed every class with an A. <laughs> I owed him so much money. He took you <laughs> on that one. <laughs> he did. But you know what it was? It was like, it was like any other child, right? Mm-hmm. I just gave him some incentive. That's all it was. But everybody doesn't treat them like normal children. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this. They're just kid first. And that's what we've done with them. And it's really helping them and it's helping the moms. And, you know, we, we've taken them to the wave pool and to turtle cove. And when we go to those places, you know, we, we don't just go, we all go, we, we go in groups of a hundred and it's amazing because, you know, nobody thinks about it. The siblings don't get what the standard normal life, right? Cause there's no babysitters. Mom and dad never leave and go out. There's people don't come over because we have this other person in this house that doesn't, that requires a lot for my mom or the, you know, she can't catch up on the house because she's been up all night for five nights in a row with, with this one. Or so it's not only the child, the autistic child that's affected, the entire family is affected. Mm -hmm. So even to have the siblings see other siblings in the same atmosphere is, is great too, because that gives them a support system, right? So now the autistic kids have a support system. The siblings have a support system. The dads have a support system. The moms have a support system. The grandmas, the, it, it's turned into a world that I would have never imagined. I could not have planned it because I had no idea mm-hmm. that all this went on inside of these families. And I feel like just sharing your story here today, people who are listening and whether it's their child or somebody they know that's impacted by autism, this can be an inspiration for them to start something like this too in their own community. Because like how you said, there often aren't enough resources and tools for people and they think, well, that's just the way that it is. But as you can see, just through this story alone, one person can make a big difference and rally a Mm -hmm. community together. And that's really And you don't need to do, you don't need to go off the edge like I did. Like I am off the edge with helping these people. It's simply getting a place to meet where these families can come. And, you know, we, we had high school kids watching these, these children in the basement with their teacher. So there's resources everywhere. And I, I can tell you, this teacher turned into, she would go to their houses. She would help babysit because it's all the parents had, right? These, these kids would go in and tutor these autistic children and help them with school and watch the, the kids during the day while the parents were home. But it gave the parents opportunity to, one, actually sit down because they don't ever get to sit down and rest or to catch up in housework or just to have a little bit of a break, right? And play with their other children and not have to always be the, the, the autistic watch, right? Mm-hmm. So what it's turned into, the community is is just crazy. It's, um, I thank them all the time for sharing their children with me. They're, they're so awesome. They have me on kids messenger. They mess, well, 
Brendan messages me. I'm not sure I lose track 50 times a day. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, but you know, like mm-hmm. we had one last, last week, week before mom wrote me and said, he's going to try to ride a bike. Cause they're, some of them are delayed in um, fine motor skills. And so she's like, we're going to try and get him to ride a bike. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm like, it'll go great. He'll be fine. Tell him Mimi's on vacation because I was going to Florida. Tell him Mimi's on vacation. And I need him to send me a video of him riding that bike because I gave him a goal. Right. So then I, of course, go on Amazon and I bought him these cool, cool, cool riding gloves, (laughs) which mom's like, oh, my God, he's never going to take those off because they're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And some lights for his spokes and stuff on his bike. But I made it about the bike, about sending me the video, not the worry about him falling. Mm -hmm because I had an expectation of him. And she was like, look at the video. Oh my God, Sammy said, hurry up, send it to Mimi, hurry up, send it to Mimi. And I'm like, how awesome is that? I'm sitting in Florida watching this kid riding a bike and crying because I'm like, way to go, buddy, right? Uh, Lisa, what are the statistics for autism? It's one in 54 right now. Mm. Has that increased in the last couple of years or where? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it increases all the time. They're predicting right now that by the year 2025, it will be one in 25. Wow. It's crazy. And I just, I, I just am baffled that we have these numbers mm-hmm. and no one is preparing for it, right? There's the schools aren't preparing for it. We're putting these children in, in standardized classes that are too big with teachers who don't get the proper training. Um, There's no assistance at the schools as far as tools for them to help themselves through the day. Um, My heart tugs at these kids for the numbers that that are out there and the lack of resources. When they're foreseeing one in 25 kids to be impacted by this, you'd think that the schools especially would start getting prepared, you know, how do we treat them? What do we say? What do we do in different situations to be able to help them thrive yes. and succeed in the, in the yes. classroom? You, one, one would think, right? But kind of like what we're doing right now with the first responders, you, you would think that this was already in play and it's, and it's not, you know, we're, we, for autism awareness this year, we um, put together these bags, we call them 911 ready and it's bags for the officers and EMS and fire to have on their rigs in case they encounter a person with autism Mm -hmm. and what to do for them. How do you help them? Because, you know, you could have a perfectly fine, easygoing autistic person turn a siren on and they'll be out of their head because they can't handle that, that huge input of sensory. But if you don't know they're autistic, right? You're going to think you have this crazy person on your hand and the way you, you handle them will be completely different. So we're giving the officers training where we, I, I, I hope you could watch the video after it's on YouTube. It's 911 ready bag training, I think, but all the kids in the group start in these scenarios. So it's actual autistic children teaching first responders how to treat them. Could you share a little bit more about what they talked about in that video? We did scenes. So it was like Adam sliding into home base and they 
put them on the, they put them on the, um, the gurney and put them in, in the ambulance. And not not one time was autism mentioned, Mm. but then they turned the siren on to take him to the hospital and Adam grabbed his ears and started screaming. And they're like, turn the siren off, turn the siren off. And Adam said, I can't have the siren on. I'm autistic. It hurts my ears. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll leave the siren off. So they know, right, how to treat them when they have them, right? Now, yes, if he had a huge injury where, you know, it was life or limb, of course, use your common sense, leave the siren on. But would they have known that that could happen with an autistic child? Nope. We have another one where an autistic child, a scene, uh, autistic child wandered off from the house. Mom said, I don't know where he's at. So the police in their training with me have learned that autistic children are drawn to water. So they're like, oh my gosh, the retention ponds. So we shot out at a retention pond, this officer bringing the bag out and enticing the child away from the water with items from the bag. So it's, it's more hands-on, like these are actual autistic children and these, these items in this bag will help you help them in the field, in an emergency situation. And we have so many cities on board right now. It's, we are so busy, it is crazy. But they're so grateful and they're so happy. I had a officer out of Flat Rock tell me, I've done this for 27 years and your video was the best training I've ever gotten for autistic people. And I was like, seriously, wow. That That was a huge compliment. Well, especially with like how we mentioned the statistics that this is so important for so many different people and police, that's, they're a great group of people to be able to connect with this on because like I said, if they come into an interaction to be able to help and serve somebody, these are important things for them to be able to learn. Oh, a hundred percent. And the funny part is we were dealing with the police on the second phase of the 911 um, because we have some children children, adults. We have one boy in our group. I call him a boy, but he's 19. He's six foot four, he's 450 pounds and he's nonverbal. And I thought if something happens at your house, well, he's 19, but mentally he's two, right? So he doesn't understand and he doesn't, he's not going to respond the right way to you. If you didn't know who he was, right? You would look at him and think you're a 19 year old kid. Why aren't you talking to me? Why are you looking me that way? Why are you throwing a fit? What, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought he's going to get hurt. If I was an officer, I I would tase you because you're huge. I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. Right. So I thought we need to do something. So in July of this year, we are going to, well, it'll roll out next month for a a trial, but we're going to open it up in July to all the departments. It's called 911 ready. So this, this boy's mom, can go in the system on my website and say, I'm so-and-so, this is my son. He's 19, but mentally he's two. This is, this is 6'4", 450 pounds. You know, these are some things that he might respond to, but he's nonverbal. He's not going to respond to your commands and she'll upload a picture. So if that boy ever goes wandering off, mom calls the police station and the police are instantly alerted. This is a 911 ready call. Mm. So the police have a picture that'll be sent right on their, their mobile device in their car, right? 
So when they go to him, they're going to know exactly what he is, you know, because autism is so different in every single child. So they're going to know he's nonverbal. They're going to know he can't respond to his, their commands or questions, right? So the de-escalation of events in the field is huge. And to be able to help these children and reduce the harm factors and not even, I'm not talking about the police harming them, themselves harming them, right? So if the police know what to do for them, if, if it keeps them out of the water, if it keeps them from running down the street because they don't have fear. So to be able to teach the, the officers about this and have them know before they arrive at the house who they're dealing with, it, it changes the whole makeup of, of the event, right? What an incredible program. Did you? It's, um, it's crazy. Is this something that you guys came up with or is this something that is stemming in other communities as well? No, we did this. This is going to help so many people. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited, Ashley. I can't even. So we, <laughs> we did it on the premise of keeping autistic children safe because they do get shot and they, and no, nothing against the police, nothing. I, I love the police. I back the police. But if you don't know, then you react in your normal manner, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just reality. So we're bringing that to the forefront, you know, and especially the updated picture is huge. So every year, this is a membership. The parents have to go in and update a picture because, you know, if you start this at four and now the kids eight, those children, every child changes so much. Mm-hmm. So every, every year they're going to renew, they're going to upload a photo. So we have current photos in this file. So we're going to just open up the floodgates. It could be if you have a parent in your home that has Alzheimer's and wanders, right? Now, if they wander away and you call the police station, the police don't have to come to your house and search for a photo of dad and the description and they already have it. They have the photo. So they're already looking, right? So that, that those precious moments before, you know, we only have that, they, they call it the hour of opportunity, right? So we can use it for missing children. We can use it for, you know, if you're hearing impaired and there's a fire in your house. If the firemen know before they come to the house that you're deaf, they're not going to walk in your house filled with smoke yelling for you. They're going to find another way before they get there to come and find you. They'll bring bigger flashlights or whatever it is, knocking on the walls, right? I mean, so, but they're going to think about that. So the precious moments that are going to be saved to help the community members and the first responders. So if those firemen can find you quicker and get out of that house sooner, how, how great is that? Every city needs this. That's all yeah, I, well, about that. I know. <laughs> I know it's, um, we've been working on it for three years and um, I get cold chills because it's, uh, our web app is almost built and now we're gonna open it up and every city is just waiting every police officer, every fireman, every, they are all, they are so thankful. And they are like, thank you so much for doing this for us. And I'm like, thank you guys. I mean, it's, it's huge, right? They deserve for us to be behind them and wanting to help them and wanting, wanting to help them do their job more efficiently and safer. I can't imagine going to my job every single day going, wonder if today I'm going to go home. And that's what they, they do, all of them, every single day. So 
I, I'm 100% behind them. Let's make them safer. Let's, let's let them know who's out there. So we're going to open it up. If you have diabetes, you know, there's times when you're a diabetic that you could pass out and smell like you've been drinking. Mm. But on the way there, if EMS already knows you're a diabetic, they're going to forego all that. Oh, I think he's drunk. Right. Because they're going to know you're a diabetic and they're going to be able to help you quicker. This is going to save lives of so many people out there. I mean, I know that the original concept that you're creating is for kids with autism, but I mean, look how many people in different situations that you just mentioned. And even I'm hoping one day it turns into um, more of the child find. So every year parents can sign their children up, upload your school photo. And if your child ever goes missing, which is so incredibly scary, then the police don't have to waste time coming to your house, getting a picture, getting descriptions, getting anything, because now your child's in the system, right? And your, your, your information is updated every single year. Mm-hmm. So they know how tall your child is. They know he has, they have the picture. I was talking to a police chief the other day and I said, it just, it really just makes me sick that we can have a system for vehicles. We can have a system for animals. And then there's our children. Mm-hmm. And he's like, exactly. And I'm like, it just, yeah. So I can't, I can't even fathom the potential of, of this program yet. And then you also mentioned the 911 bags. What are you guys putting inside of those is an inspiration for people who are listening to this that don't live in the same community, but want to create mm-hmm. something different in their own. Sure. Um, everything's on our website, so everybody can go and, and look at everything. This is we're we're 100% transparent, but it's um, a weighted blanket, a five-pound weighted blanket, noise-reducing headphones, fidget toys like a they call them monkey noodles. Mm-hmm. So it's like a long stringy toy that you can wrap around your fingers, and it helps reduce anxiety. There's little um, squishy toys in there. Um, again, it's like a fidget toy, chew toy. A lot of children with autism have chewing fixations because it helps reduce their anxiety. So we have a chewy in there, um, a bottle of water, and a bag of snacks. And all of this is coming through donations? Yes. So the bags cost $40 a piece. We're not, we're, we're not making any money on these bags. This is, this is what it costs us. And I just, I want them out there. They're, you know, to have, have 50 bags sitting in my office and say, well, 40 lifeline ambulance is actually putting some in their rigs, um, which is so awesome because they, they have no affiliation with first responders. Right. But they think that they're so good. And they said, are these like somebody else's bags? And I said, I haven't heard of them. And somebody else is doing bags a little bit similar to ours, but they want $90 a bag. And I'm like, wow, I could, I could get $90. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but it's not about the money, right? Yeah. It's about the effectiveness. Well, as you mentioned, and, you have 40 bags as an example in your office, that's 40 lives that you are helping. And that's just incredible, especially when you add that up to how many bags that you guys are bringing in. Because, you know, for anybody listening right now, if you head on over to your Facebook page, you can see the different departments and them holding the bags and just knowing that they're out in the world and that they're helping mm-hmm. these families and these kids is truly mm-hmm. incredible. It really is. You know, we've had um, a year and a half with Brownstown police and they were coming to our meetings and one-on-one with these kids, you know, they were going everywhere with us and they got some incredible training. I don't want to call it training, but 
kind of training, just like awareness, right? That's, they, they, they got to know these children and, and how different each one was and how to treat each one. Like one, you can fist pump, one, you can shake hands, one, don't even try and touch. And so they know, they, they know, and they got to, they have a good feel for them. So um, a couple of the officers told me that um, they were standing in dispatch one day and a call came through that um, was a autistic child had wandered away from the home. Mm-hmm. And these two officers said they looked at each other and they were like, we got this because we know what to do. And they're like, I kid them because I, I can. I'm like, you guys are like Batman and Robin, like off to the retention pond. We go. <laughs> and I, I put my hands on my hips. I, I tease them relentlessly but um they were like superheroes because they had the confidence because they knew what to do Mm -hmm. they went right to where they thought that child was knew how to handle the child when they got there brought him out of the woods and everything was fine and it was done and over but they said had we not been in your program for so long we would have been those police officers going oh that's not my call that's not my call you know what I mean because they don't know what to do and I was like oh my God, you guys saved a child? Like how, wow. And then we gave them the bags um, first week in April. And I got the the call a week after they had the bags. And one of the officers went on a a call to a home, 15 year old girl tearing the home apart, said the dad held her down, choked her. And he's like, I'm trying to hold her down. She's destroying my home. And the officer said, "What, what is the issue? What is the problem here? why is she so upset? And he said, well, we think she's autistic, but we can't get her diagnosed. And the, the officer was instantly autistic. Hold on. I have a bag. I know. <laughs> so <what> he, went, <laughs> he goes to this truck, he gets the bag, he brings it in and he's like, do you want to try the headphones on? Cause you know, the worst that could happen is you drowned out your parents, right? Because she's a teenager trying to be funny. And she's like, no, I don't want those. And he's like, um, want a blanket? And she's like, no, I don't want a blanket. And he said, well, he pulled out this monkey noodle thing. And he, this, this officer had no idea like what this was going to work with this kid. But he just kept pulling stuff out of the bag. And he pulls out this monkey noodle and goes, you want this thing? <laughs> and she goes, what's that? And he's like, not really sure. And he handed it to her. And he said, you could just see the level of, of anxiety come down. Because she was fidgeting, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, I would have never, if you had told me that you could hand this to somebody and it would deescalate a situation, I would have told you you were crazy. He said, but I saw it right before my own eyes. Uh, And I was like a week, we've only, we've only done this program for a week and you've already helped a child with autism. I was like, I was so proud. For people who are unfamiliar with autism, what are some ways that they are able to support those families and the kids who are impacted. I know that we were just talking about police and fire department, but just for people out in the neighborhoods, what are some things that they um, should know about these kids? That they're human. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I, I've seen the treatment firsthand, what people do and the pointing and the whispering and the, it's heart-wrenching. It is heart-wrenching. I cannot imagine being a parent of a special needs child and what you have to endure every single time you leave the house. So you know what? They're people. 
go up to the parent and do this. What can I do for you? You know, one of my first encounters with the, the parents, they were telling me how these children have meltdowns in stores and they absolutely lose it. Like moms have to sit on their children and wrangle them on the floor and people circle them and people stare and people point. And I, I do this. I said, well, what could we do to help you? She said, actually, um, I had dropped my purse and one lady picked it up and brought it over to me. And I said, well, that was, yeah, that was nice. She said, you know, when those things happen, we don't have time to worry about things like our purse or our other children. And I said, wow, right. So, you know, don't stare, act, act like this is a child who is suffering when those things happen. I don't want to hear oh, that. Yeah. Kid just needs a good, a good spanking, you know, learn how to control your kid. There's so many times that I've heard this and me and myself in, in Meyer one day, always there was a little one screaming and I'm like, Oh, I, my heart just, just fell. And some lady who was in the same aisle making comments, making comments, making comments. And I finally looked at her and said, you know, um, I wish you would have more compassion because you have no idea how bad that child is suffering. And yet you want to make comments on what a brat she is. I said, I, I, I hope that your children get more compassion from you than this. Mm-hmm. And of course, then my husband looks at me and shakes his head. And he's like, God, why do you always have to do that? <laughs> like, because I do. <laughs> so treat them like kids. They're kids, right? They, they like popsicles. They, they like to, they like to run. They, they want to be included. And I don't care how severely affected they are. If you have questions, go up and ask the parent, Hey, what, can I help you with anything? Do you need a break? Do you want to, do you want a beer? Do you want a glass of wine? I mean, they're, they're parents, they're normal. They're every day. And, and if you don't know what to do, go ask the parent, right? They know. They would rather have you come up and say, hey, I notice you have a special needs kid. <laughs> do you need help with anything? Can I do anything for you? I told the mom with, that was sitting on her kid in the middle of Meyer. I said, you know what I would do for you? She said, what? And I said, I would go buy a bottle of wine and bring it to you when you were done. <laughs> and she goes, that would be really nice because we don't, they don't have anybody there for them, right? These kids don't go to birthday parties. These kids don't get invited to play. They don't go to anybody's home. They don't, nobody watches them. Offer to have them over your house for five minutes. You'll change a life, right? Offer to have the mom come over with him and, and play ball in the yard. It changes your child too. Let's just, let's just be really clear about that. My, my grandson helped me put together the first round of bags and he's, he's almost 10. And I called him and said, Mace, I want you to know that a police officer used your bag and he helped a girl. And he was like, what? what? So he's um, in karate and he's part of a leadership group. And um, they're actually putting bags together for the Royal Oak Police Department as part of his leadership group so that people in his city will be able to take care of autistic children because he's so vested in this program. So I'm like, we, we have to change our own, right? 
I love how you mentioned that because that's something that, you know, you teach this next generation about kindness and compassion and empathy for other people, mm-hmm. even when mm-hmm. people don't act or look, you know, the same way as you to still have that heart for them and to be able to serve. So that is a great place to start is with yes. the kids. And they, they also watch, you know, their parents. How do you react to this situation? 100%. 100%. Yep. You are the example, right? That's, that's the key. So if you invite these children over and you tell your children, these are, and you have to tell them because we don't know how to react, right? I take my grandchildren out and I do this. Excuse me, you're staring, that's impolite. And my little one will be like, but ma'am, did you see? I said, I did see, but did you see that she's just a person? And she's like, oh, well, yeah. So they don't get distracted by things that they don't see on a normal basis, right? I said, well, when we walk by her, you need to say hi to her. And she's like, oh, okay. And she walks by and she's sweet and she says hi. And the person's day is made because, you know, she has things on her or issues with her that most people will just turn their head when they get to her. So it's all about compassion and, and love and acceptance. You know, we always hear, you know, this big autism awareness push. I could, I'm so sick and tired of it because why do we, we, we're aware you're here, right? What's now what? Mm-hmm. So I'm on the big autism acceptance push. We, we accept that, that you are in this community. You're part of this community, but now we want you to come out of your home and, and join into this community, right? We accept you. We may not know the right answer all the time, but guess what? No one does. Sometimes even the parents don't know the, the answer, but coming out, and having them play with your children, inviting them over, inviting, I mean, my gosh, Ash, at the, at the group we have, we do monthly birthdays. So if there's three birthdays in June, we sit them all at a table, we give them all a cupcake, we put a candle in the cupcake, we light it, and the entire group sings happy birthday. These kids are elated. You know why? Because they don't get birthday parties like this. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes to their birthday party. And I'm just like, this is, this just makes me so sad. Like, I can't imagine that you would consciously do this to children, but they're afraid. Parents are afraid because they don't know. They don't know how to handle it. They think their kids going to say something wrong. Um, so teach your child, you know, these are the children that we stand up for in school. If somebody's making fun of them, stand up for them because we don't teach that anymore, do we? I don't know why, and I don't know how it got lost, but we need to start doing this again. We need to teach our children empathy and it's okay to stand up for people. And, and I mean, it's always been the rule, you know, zero tolerance, no bullying, but every kid gets ribbed. Every kid gets, gets part of that. But when it comes to a special needs child on an everyday basis, who sits alone at the lunch table every single day at school, I, I got to say, where are we at as parents? with talking to our children and saying, did you sit with Adam today at lunch? Right. I feel like in this episode that we talked about so many tools and resources and education for people who not only are impacted by it, but people who maybe aren't familiar with it as well. But something else that I want to highlight for people listening here today is about how you stepped forward in calling when you were called to be able to help and serve because too often we feel like, you know, we're one person, what kind of difference can I make? But in all of these situations, you know, the beginning with Mimi's mission, you know, that started with one ask and that 
just became a ripple effect. And then also with the puzzle parents and helping the kids with autism, you know, you saw the need when you created the Christmas program. And this is something that you didn't have any, you know, former education or knowledge in, but you saw that there was a need and you took that step forward in faith to be able to help other people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Mm -hmm. this episode can be such an inspiration for people who are listening, whether it is autism or something else that they have on their heart to be able to create and bring to pass, because there always is a need to be able to help people. And sometimes, you know, people are are waiting for someone else to start something, but you have the power yourself to be able to do that as well. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to have a Mimi's mission to do it, right? You, You could when I was a businesswoman, I, I didn't have time to do all this stuff, right? I, didn't, I, didn't, I was busy, but I had the resources. I had the money. I had the money to go buy these bags and take them to my school and give them to the teachers. So the teachers had the resources in their classrooms. So not only you know, are you teaching, like your child could take these into their own classroom and support the children in their classroom. What a great way to show your child about caring and giving and empathy. So you're helping your child grow. You're helping the the special needs child in the room. You're helping the teacher, right? You're helping the the ripple effects of every move you make are huge. Mm -hmm. If you break it down, right? And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be Mimi's mission. You can be busy business mom running around the country, write a $40 check and teach your child about it, right? Mm Because that's going to impact that child. I mean, when my when my little one asked me if he could do these bags and take him to the police, I was just like, oh, my again, I'm not crying. It's an onion. Oh, my I, my heart was so full because I was like, oh, my God. Oh, and I didn't realize how much it impacted him. And it was just like, holy moly, this is this is so awesome in every way, shape and form. We don't have to do big things. Because sometimes a little thing is a big thing. And it takes just one step too. I mean, I feel like sometimes people can get overwhelmed. You know, what is a nonprofit? How do I put this together? It doesn't have to be something big and and grand. It can be helping a neighbor, helping somebody across the street, helping someone in your office, whatever that looks like for each individual, just taking that step and knowing that you have the power to make a difference. You know, it could be walking. When I take my, my little ones to the grocery store, you know, I teach them when you walk in front of somebody, you say, excuse me, my, my two little boys, you best bet when we walk in a place, they open the door. When we walk out of a place, they open the door and guess what? They don't open the door and let it slam on you. They hold it until every single person has come through that door. And it doesn't matter if you're with us or not with us, because that's the polite thing to do. Right. So it's, it's, it's those little things. And you, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Thank you, young man. And they're like, you're very welcome. Have a great day. And you know, you've touched that person's life, right? So it's, I, we've gotten out of this, this kindness and this, everybody's so afraid of people and afraid of helping and afraid of, I don't know, just, just being people. Let's just be some nice people back, back when, remember when we were nice? Remember when we helped each other? We don't, we don't do that now, you know, go on, a, go on, teach your children about litter bugs, but people don't, my, my little ones didn't even know what litter bugs were, but 
now we go out and now when, you know, I, I, I'm in a parking lot. I come to work and there's half cans of beer in the parking lot. Do I want to go pick them up? Um, no, I do not. Do I go pick them up? Yes, I do. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, right? Praying no bees fly out of it. <laughs> but, I, but I pick them up and I empty them and I throw them away and I move on with my day. Because I don't know who's going to tip it over. I don't know who, you know, it could be an old lady that comes in the parking lot and gets out of her car and, and trips and falls and breaks her, her hip on it. So every day, if we just strive every day to get up and do one positive thing and teach our children to do one positive thing, how awesome would that be? I love that. I feel like that's yeah. a great note to wrap up on just because it's mm -hmm. something that's so powerful and can leave a lasting impact on those who are joining us here today. So, mm -hmm. So Lisa, as we wrap up, could you share where people can find your community online and donate sure. to the So on Facebook, we are, uh, it's just Mimi's Mission. I do a lot on my personal page, so I have to get better with transitioning over to Mimi's. Um, but you can look for me. I'm, it's Lisa Missler Valella. I'm at the max for friends on my page, but you can certainly follow me. And then um, all the information is online, um, mimismission.org. And all the programs are there. We have a golf outing coming up. So if you know anybody that golfs, if you own a business or we'd like to sponsor a whole, we're, we are in process of doing sponsorships right now. And this is the one, our one big outing for the year since, um, since COVID. We have put a kibosh to all of our fundraising. So um, we're putting a lot of efforts into this. So if you want to do a, a sponsorship, we have one that came in for um, in memory of someone special person that passed away last year. She was a great friend of ours. And so there's one of those, there's people that are doing, you know, their dogs or whatever. So if you want to come out and support us, that'd be great. But all that information is on the website. So I'm blessed to have Lisa join me here today to share her story and mission. And I pray those who are joining us will be inspired and motivated to see how one person can create a ripple effect to help so many. So Lisa, thank you again for joining me here today. You are a blessing in our world. Thanks for joining us at the For the Good podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Good Official and our blog at ForTheGood.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Remember, a positive mindset is the beginning of true happiness. Not just for the good of the individual, but for the good of the world.